Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to uh, be gathered with you, even if I can't see you. Uh, and we're going to be gathered around God's Word uh, coming out of the book of Proverbs. And just remind you where we've been so far. This is our third week in the study of this book. Uh, we began with asking the question, what is wisdom? Uh, then we looked at how wisdom grows. Today we're going to look at the idea of how wisdom works. Uh, basically, how, what does it accomplish and how does it function in our lives? And so we're going to look at uh, two verses in chapter 3, and then we're going to jump to chapter 8 and uh, look at those verses uh, following. So if you have your Bibles, open it. Uh, and we're going to be in Proverbs 3, starting in verse 19, and we'll read 20, and then go to chapter 8. Proverbs says this, that the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds drop, uh, drop down the dew. Flip over to chapter 8. We'll pick up in verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I, w I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains ha uh, had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with, it, with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. That last part, kind of somewhat cryptic as it talks about a person, it seems like. And so let's pray and just ask God to uh, give us wisdom and understanding into his word. Uh, Father, we come uh, to you knowing that by your spirit, you reveal yourself in your word. Father, that uh, as we read it, as we uh, digest it, as we grapple with it, we not only understand ourselves better, but we understand who you are and our relationship to you and how we were made and how we were designed. So God, thank you that not only you designed us and created us for relationship, but you designed this world as well. And so Father, how is it that we might become observers and students of the world that you made? Father, how is your wisdom and your knowledge embedded uh, in this world. Father, give us insight and help us to understand and see you all the more clearly. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So have you ever uh, done something for a really long time and, you know, uh, uh, you're going along and you think you're actually pretty proficient at something, you know what you're doing, only to find out that you ha had really an incomplete understanding of what you were doing? Well, I'm a numbers guy. 
Uh, I love my spreadsheets and I love my numbers and as that applies to sports, I love stats. And so uh, I love Microsoft Excel. So I know I've lost about 90% of you uh, with this story, but track with me here. Uh, and, I, and I thought I really understood how Excel worked. I loved it. Uh, and that was until my brother invited me to help him with his business. And at that time, he was writing a database code for his clients so that they could track certain pieces of information. One client actually coming out of Hurricane Katrina was tracking uh, the purchase, acquisition, rehabil- or the rehab, and the sale of uh, properties uh, in the New Orleans area. And so they reached out to my brother and and wanted him to write uh, a a database so they could track all this from the field. And they wanted to use uh, an odd choice, uh, but uh, regardless, they wanted to use Microsoft Access, which is the sister program of Excel. And uh, so uh, he was kind of overrun with business, so he reached out to me and said, hey, Keith, can you help me with this project? And I was like, uh, sure, I understand information, but can you, anyway, I didn't know what I was getting into. And he introduced me to this really special tab in Microsoft. It's hidden by default, and it's the developer tab. And the developer tab opens up worlds of endless possibilities behind the scenes of Excel and Access and all of these wonderful things. And once I started in there, my understanding of Excel really proved to be quite amateur. And, uh, and then really for the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years or so, I've been uh, kind of just trying to figure out what this could do in behind the scenes. And even that is a limited program knowledge. But you're doing something and you think you know it, but until you really look intently at it, you really don't understand how it actually is functioning. Proverbs is coming to us and is speaking of the wisdom of God and speaking of the knowledge of God. But what's interesting is that where is that knowledge found? Yes, it's in the Word. Yes, it's it's from uh, wise counsel. But wisdom is also embedded in creation. It's embedded in the world that we live in. And so quite possibly, like I had used uh, that program and, and had a very incomplete understanding of what it was, we might very easily be walking through life and lacking the same real understanding. Because embedded in creation, embedded in the way that this world works, the way it's designed, the way it's set up, is the wisdom of God. Proverbs speaks to it very clearly in our verses in chapter 3, in uh, verses 19 and 20 there. We read it earlier, but just to get it in our minds, uh, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. And so creation was not just the creative force of God in that creative force, in the creation of God, where he speaks and creation shows up out of nothing, is embedded in it is the wisdom of God. By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. So this wisdom kind of points to something that is orderly, that our world is not random. It is not chaotic. Uh, There is an order and a design to it. So the words like that the Lord founded the earth, that, you know, that he laid a, a basis, a foundation 
before it, that he established the world. And that, that word is the idea of um, an artist forming something or fashioning something. So he lays a foundation and he fashions and forms the earth. Uh, in chapter, uh, chapter 8, uh, as we uh, read um, a little bit ago, did I even read it? Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so, sorry about that. Uh, when, when we went to chapter 8, uh, he assigned the sea its limit, the intentional determination to set something up, uh, that he marked out the foundation of the earth. That, that idea of marking something out is actually to chisel something. Uh, and so, there's this this laying of this foundation, this artistry to what God is doing, this intentional determination to set things up where God chisels the earth out. Now, all of that sounds like the creative force of God, but God, by wisdom, did all that. By his understanding, by his knowledge, it's not random, it's not happenstance. And so when God lays out in Genesis chapter 1 the days of creation— he lays out uh, day one, let there be light, and there was light. And he set up day and night, evening and morning, and he said that it was good. Day two, the sky was separated from the waters of the earth, uh, the waters of the atmosphere and the waters of the earth. Day three, dry land appears. The seas are formed. Plants and trees were created. All of it is very purposeful. It's all uh, does, uh created according to knowledge, and it is all very intricate. But what's interesting is that wisdom is embedded then in the design of the world, that inherently when God with wisdom created, wisdom became part of that creation. It's not just a powerful work. It is actually the way things work is the wisdom of God that's embedded in that. And so when Proverbs talks about being a fool, or, or what does foolishness mean, is to go against the design and against the pattern that God has put into creation that God has laid down in the way that this world works. And so what does wisdom do? So as we're going to grow in wisdom, ultimately wisdom, as we grow in it, recognizes and searches out that pattern of God in this world. It recognizes what is from God's hand. So there's that order, but then there's also design, uh, that uh, things are powerful, they're orderly, but the design of things, the connectedness, the interwoven nature of things, and what is, what's noted in verse 20 of chapter 3 is the clouds drop down the dew. Basically, it's speaking to the idea of the water cycle. In, in chapter 8, it talks about the ocean's deep, the skies, giving limit for the seas and that the waters might not transgress it or come beyond the limit that God set. And so all of this is pointing to this really amazing design of water on this planet. Uh, and that it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, and, and, you know, the water cycle alone uh, just... You know, that liquid evaporates into water vapor. It goes up and it condenses to form clouds and then it precipitates back to the earth in rain or snow uh, in water in its different phases. It's moving through the atmosphere uh, and in that, uh, that cycle of transportation of water. Even the dew in the morning, uh, that dew results from water in the atmosphere 
changing from vapor to a liquid because of dropping temperatures. When they cool down, moisture out of the air turns into liquid on those things. And so God is saying that in all of that is his wisdom. Embedded in creation is wisdom. So what do we do with that? What do we do with the fact that embedded in this world is the wisdom of God? First, we have to slow down. We've got to observe. We've got to listen. We've got to think. I think the whole book of Proverbs is meant to slow us down and make us think and call us to really wrestle with things. Proverbs 6 uh, says it in a very interesting way. Slow down and open your eyes. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Now, we're going to come back to the sluggard in a couple weeks because uh, the, the lazy person probably has lots to teach uh, to us. But what, what is the, 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 uh, the command is go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. What do you observe with an ant? Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So the command is to consider the ant. And that idea of considering is, is to look and to see, but to truly see, to look with perceptiveness, to look uh, with perceptive eyes, to make a judgment of what's going on, and then to uh, then take that and apply it to your life. So uh, go observe the ant. What do you see? Is that you see that an ant, even an ant, without being told, no ruler, no chief, no, uh, no director, basically, prepares now for what will come. Why does a father tell a son that in Proverbs 6? Because every father knows that unless you prepare now for what's going to come, you will meet disaster when things change and uh, circumstances aren't what you expect. Go look at the ant, consider its ways, and figure out what the wisdom of God is embedded in how ants function. Interesting. Uh, There's other animals that the book of Proverbs uh, lays out, but what about the, the idea of cause and effect? That it's not just go look at animals, but look at the, look at the wisdom that's embedded in this world. Uh, so we, we looked at it last week in Proverbs 3, the first two verses. Uh, so what do you see in the idea of cause and effect that's in this world? In a sense, the, the reaping and sowing of putting seed in the ground and harvesting at the end. Uh, Proverbs 3, my son, don't forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments. Why? For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. That's on the positive side. What's on the negative side? We find it in Proverbs 21, verse 7. uh, That the violence of the wicked will sweep them away because they refuse to do what is just. Another one of, of uh, a negative effect of cause and effect is Proverbs 22, verse 8, the first half there. Proverbs 22, 8. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity. Do you hear the if then? 
you know, if this, then that. You know, if you keep the commands of God, then they will add length to your days. If you're a violent offender, then you'll be taken out by your violence. If you're unjust, then you will bring destruction upon yourself. If you build it, they will come. Sorry, different context. But you observe the world, you see the design of God in it, and you find the wisdom of God that it's embedded in the world. The effects, and, and as Nick prayed for our country, what's going on in the events of our country ought to be us, just a call for us to observe and to ponder and to think and to figure out where is the wisdom of God needed and where is it showing itself. And so as we've watched all the chaos that unfolded at the Capitol building, we're sitting with our daughters, and it's so right here, teachable moments on display. And Linda pointed out to, the, to them really uh, uh, very wisely that those people may very well have, in, have had important things to say. But when you act like that, nobody hears what you have to say, and all they focus on is your law-breaking, your behavior, and all of that. No matter what, how, how good of a message you have, it gets undone by your actions. Kids, students, observe the world Observe what's happening. Observe and see the wisdom of God, both negatively and positively, as the things unfold. See it, uh, take it, digest it, and apply it to your life. Because it's the, even in the methods of Proverbs that we see this wisdom embedded uh, in the world. And so one literary device that the book of Proverbs uses is the better-than idea. Uh, basically what that is, is it's better, this is better than that, you know? Uh, like Chick-fil-A is better than McDonald's, right? You know, that could probably be in Proverbs somewhere. Uh, but for instance, what is a better than uh, thing uh, or verse or idea that is causing us to look at it, observe it, ponder it, and figure out what it means? Proverbs 15 verse 17. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. What's the writer of Proverbs asking us to ponder is obviously a full course of a meal with, with meat and all of that. No offense to vegetarians, but uh, that the writer of Proverbs is saying, if, you know, this, this amazing meal with hatred is far worse than a meager dinner where there's love. Proverbs 27, verse 10, the second half. Better is, better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who's far away. Ponder it, that, that we need people in our lives, even someone as close as a brother who is distant and, and miles away. It's better to have someone near in your life uh, than to have somebody who is far and not there and able. What about this one? I'll just leave you with it just to think on and ponder and observe. Proverbs 27 verse 5, better is open rebuke than hidden love. 
Think about that one. Observe it, ponder it, search it, and then apply what God is going to show you. Because embedded in the way this world works is the wisdom of God. Now, that, that's one, uh, one aspect of seeing this. But then creation points to the wisdom that created it. So wisdom is now described, as we get to chapter 8, very personally. Um, in chapter 8, it actually turns to the, to the part of Proverbs where the, the woman of wisdom, the woman wisdom, uh, shows up. And she is speaking as if she is a person. And so in chapter 8, uh, wisdom is saying, I was there when the world was created. I was beside God as he created it. I delighted in him and he delighted in me. You know, you look at uh, verses 22 and 20 to 26 of chapter 8. And just as, look there as I kind of summarize over it. That wisdom was there before creation. Here, all the times that the word before was used. Verse 23, before the beginning of the earth. Verse 25, before the mountains had been shaped. Before the hills. Verse 26, before he had made the earth with its fields. Before the first of the dust of the world. That before, before, before the world showed up, wisdom was there. Wisdom is saying, I was there. And then you get to verses 27 to 29, and then the befores change to whens. And, and this is actually going to be on the screen for you because it's so important, because this is where we really start to understand who is this person. Verse 27, when he established the heavens, and that he is God, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundation of the earth. We're going to stop there. So when God was making the world, wisdom was there when it happened. I was there, wisdom says. The question is, why such personal language with wisdom? Because if wisdom is just an abstract concept of a bunch of rules or principles to follow, why talk about it as if it is a person? And that's because the wisdom is, is found ultimately and personified and made a person in the person of Jesus. Remember, we say, we've said it the last couple of weeks that uh, the Apostle Paul calls Jesus the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians. But hear this. So when wisdom is saying, I was there, when wisdom was saying, I, uh, all of these things came to be, I was there, doesn't that sound a lot like John chapter 1? John chapter 1, the first three verses, uh, and John is writing and he's speaking of, of Jesus uh, and uh, he speaks of the word, uh, but later we see that the word in these verses is actually Jesus himself. Hear this and compare it to what we just read in chapter 8. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. 
So wisdom in chapter 8 of Proverbs is saying, I was there, I was a part of creation, I was, uh, even later, I was the master workman along with, uh, along with God. John 1, God, uh, Jesus was there, he was with God, he was with, uh, with God in the beginning. Nothing was made without him that exists now. Colossians 2 says it a little bit differently. Um, this very last word of verse 2 and then into verse 3, that is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That, the, that wisdom is not an abstract concept. It is found in the person of Jesus. In order to live wisely, you have to know Jesus because, yes, Wisdom is embedded in the fabric of creation, but it is also uh, the fullness of wisdom is found in the person of Jesus. And that's why he invites us to come to him. Matthew 11, this is what Jesus would say. You know, this is not just a wise teacher saying to uh, his disciples, you know, figure stuff out. He is actually saying, come to me, all you all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Is that you? Do you find yourself just longing? What will actually put you at peace in this world? Uh, and you're trying to find the one thing that you're going to follow and, and just track after that. And I think God is just saying simply, know Jesus. Chase after him. And as you find him, as you understand the gospel, as you understand that you are a sinner in rebellion against God, trying to make life work on your own without him, the gospel says, yes, you are that. But because of Jesus, your sin is covered. And so it is both uh, exposing on one hand, but it is also incredibly empowering on another that we can actually live in confidence because of Jesus in knowing him. But what's wild is if you think about creation having the wisdom of God embedded in it, let me caution you that you cannot find wisdom in creation itself. So a part of the wisdom literature is Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And so uh, it, there is uh, wisdom in looking at those together because that's the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And so jump to Job 28 because it points, because again, you can't find wisdom in creation itself as if that's a sum total of wisdom, creation with the wisdom of God embedded in it is pointing back to the one or to the wisdom that created it. And so in Job 28, oops, I didn't mark my page. So in Job 28, look at verse 12. So this is very similar to Proverbs 8. Job is here and he asks the question, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, that's the ocean, it's not in me. And the sea says, it's not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. 
Jump down to verse 20. He asks again, from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? Then go down to 23 and we'll read to the end of the chapter. God understands the way to it and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it, he saw wisdom, and declared it. He established it and he searched it out. And he said to man, here's where you find it. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is, under, is understanding. That even though the wisdom of God is, is embedded in the fabric and the makeup and the orderly nature of creation, you can't just look at creation and be wise. You have to know the creator. It, you can't find it in the ocean. You can't find it even in the intricacies there because it is pointing to the one that you must know. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Now come all the way back to Proverbs 8. So uh, go back to Proverbs 8 and look at the last two, uh, last two verses of our passage, verse 30 and verse 31. This is just really interesting language because the idea of wisdom is not simply just to make life work out better. Um, that's kind of how we take things. Like, okay, here's my rule. I'm going to go do it, and so my life works out. That there's even something much greater that's embedded in the wisdom of God in the way this world works. So um, the wisdom that Proverbs 8 is speaking of is, is Jesus himself as the personal wisdom of God. And so with that as a backdrop, John 1, Nick even prayed it this morning from Colossians 1. Go read Colossians 1, 15 and following and see Proverbs 8 and the wording of this passage all over it. But look at verses 30 and 31. Then I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. What, when you hear those words, what, what comes to your mind when, when he is, I was a master workman, I was his delight, I was rejoicing before him, I was rejoicing in his world, I was delighting in the children of man. That this world was not made just to a plus B equals C. It was meant to be enjoyed. It was meant to be delighted in. And you hear the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, enjoying God the Father and delighting, even almost in this playful sense. There's this Hebrew word that speaks to this understanding almost that uh, of like a child playing, uh, that Jesus is rejoicing, enjoying the world that much in overwhelming joy of his father and of the world that was created, that this world is meant to be a place of beauty, of enjoyment, of power, of order, of design, of joy, of uh, us actually knowing the peace of God. That's what this world is meant for. And how will we ever get there outside of the wisdom of God, outside of knowing him and the fear of the Lord, it is impossible. 
because his wisdom is embedded in the fabric of how this world works. When you even see that, the, the, the design of that, it points back to him. And so if you don't know him today, he's saying, come, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And in that, then you will find what it is to rejoice and to delight in the things of this world, because that's how God designed it and made it. Yet so often, we want to take it into our own hands. We want to live life on our own terms. We want to say what is true and what is good according to what we want, and then everything falls apart and breaks. And if you're living the destruction of that, even right now, Jesus might just be whispering, come to me. He might be saying that everything that you have chased has fallen apart because you've chased the wrong things. Jesus is saying, come to me. Maybe you've known him for some time and you might not be seeking out him and the wisdom that, uh, that he provides. In a sense, he's saying, come, come back, come to me, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. We can see the wisdom of God as it is embedded in the way this world works and all of that points to him. Let's pray. God, we ask that uh, you would take your word. Um, and so, Father, help us not just clip through life and not slow down and not observe and not ponder what's going on. God, help us to see, uh, not just with eyes, but with, with our mind, with perceptiveness. Help us to really understand. And, Father, in that, that we might see your wisdom. And, Father, in seeing your wisdom, we might know you. God, uh, all of this is just a call for us to know you, to fear you, to surrender our lives to you. God, I pray that that would be true of us as we reflect on your word, as we are ones who are willing to read and uh, recognize that we don't have all the answers. God, be with us in that. By your spirit, would you, uh, would you have us bow to you as the one who is king? the one who made this world, that we find what life is meant to be in living out that design. And so, Father, uh, be with us in that. And by the power of the Spirit, I pray that you would bring that about. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.